For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. You know, as I was thinking about um, this particular prophetic name given to Jesus by the prophet Isaiah, uh, there's a tension point, I think, for, for all of us. And Charlie put his finger on it with the article that he wrote this, this last week. And it's this, you can put up the photo. You know, when we think about Christmas, I think like this is the this is the the, the image that we tend to really hone in on. Um, at Christmas time, right? Is the baby Jesus, uh, this small, vulnerable infant, entirely dependent on his mother to keep him alive. And so this name, this idea, Mighty God, feels like it's very much, very much in tension with this. You know, and I, as I was thinking about this, it's like, no wonder, you know, the Apostle Paul writes about when it comes to the gospel, the gospel, that to those who don't believe it's foolishness, right? Like, and this is a really good picture of that because uh, it feels like a contradiction in terms. You know, but he goes on to say that, but about that gospel, uh, it is it is the power of God to those of us who are being saved. Uh, how can this be? How can this be? Jesus, the baby, the infant in, in, in the manger, uh, mighty God. What, what in the world was Isaiah talking about? One of the things that I, I loved about what, what Charlie wrote, if you haven't seen it, it was linked in the, the news that went out this week. And one of the things that, that Charlie shared is that, you know, for a lot of his story is this is kind of where he got locked in around Christmas. And we talk about the baby, the child, uh, the one that was to come. But part of the promise, right, part of the hope that we actually have for those of us who are following after Jesus to those of us who believe this, there's, it's like we've got two hands, right? We're holding on to two different things. And one is the child who came, the Jesus who came to us like this. But the truth underneath the truth, the reason for the hope, is the promise of the one who is yet to come and who will make things right. Uh, because in the story of the Gospels and the story of Christmas is that we actually get a picture of what God is doing in the world and what God is actually like. And so I, I want to sit in this just for a little bit about what it means for Jesus to be named by the prophet Isaiah as mighty God. Uh, the first I'll point us to is in the Gospel of Mark. And so uh, most scholars believe that the Gospel of Mark was the very first gospel to be written. So this gospel was the first person to put to words what they had experienced and what they had witnessed, like to, in order to pass it forward to the generations who were to come. And when you read the gospel of Mark, it's really fascinating. Uh, you know, when you think about it in that way, the gospel writers had an agenda, right? And I think that's important to recognize. It's like they weren't just writing stuff because they were bored or they were trying to build a platform or freelance you know what I mean like they wanted to share it's like we have witnessed something and experienced something that's unprecedented and it's really important that the generations come know they come to know 
like what we have come to know. And so in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, uh, he doesn't waste any time. Like it's, it's, a, it's an action gospel. And one of the very first things the gospel, uh, that the Mark's gospel points to is the adult Jesus and what he does. The very first thing. And this is after he's calling disciples to himself, still in chapter 1. This is what we read. This is beginning in verse 21. We read, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not like the teachers of the law. And just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. This is huge. Listen to this. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus just puts him in his place. Be quiet. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the, the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were also amazed that they, had, and they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to spirits and they obey him. And the news about him spread quickly over the whole, over the whole region. Right, so one of the very first things that Mark wants for us to understand is that this Jesus was no mere man. Right? He wasn't just a great leader or a great teacher, uh, a rabbi, you know, shoulders above other people. He wanted to know, want us to know, that this Jesus had authority in a realm and in a way that they had never seen, they'd never seen before. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Right? That's, that's how the story of Jesus begins uh, in the Gospel of Mark. And of course, later the, the disciples, the disciples, which is huge as well, right? These, these men that came to actually live alongside Jesus, they walked with him every day. They saw his best moments. They saw his worst moments. And eventually, even them, you know, said, uh, we have come to believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. Right? Even them, after, I mean, they had to see a lot of miracles, <laughs> You know, they, they actually had to witness some stuff to actually come to that place. And it, it, even after three years, they still had no clue. But those who are around this man, Jesus, all acknowledge that there is something happening here that defies every category that we have. Also important to note is that Jesus himself, he affirmed this about himself. Right? And so John 8 uh, verse 58. Uh, we're, we've been walking through this Advent journey. Uh, some of you who've been part of Commonwealth before, um, last year we we gave out these, these gifts to everybody, and there's like 20-some names given to Jesus uh, throughout the Gospels. And um, by the way, if you want this, just let me know. Like we've got some reflections and videos and all kinds of stuff to go with this. But we as a family are walking back through those 20 some names given to Jesus uh, throughout the, throughout the gospel. So what was that last night? We are talking and, and we were talking about this fact that like Jesus says this thing about him and everything changes. Like all these people who've been like heaping on praise on Jesus and willing to like kind of be in his, I feel like I have an entourage. Okay, this is awesome. Let's keep this up. Uh, but all those people that are like in the entourage of Jesus, all of a sudden, like things flip in a second. 
And these crowds that are praising him and celebrating him want to kill him, right? And it's because of this, this verse right here. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Right, and that word I am, right? He, he's referring to the Old Testament to God himself, like God of the universe, God of creation. And he's saying, this is who I am. You've been wondering, like you've been speculating a lot. You've been asking questions and a lot of you still don't get it. But I am who I am. I am the Lord God, the creator of the universe. And in a moment, that, by the way, what set the stage for his crucifixion is he kept saying these things, affirming, like, I'm way more than a man or a rabbi or a leader or a teacher. Like, I am God in the flesh. And what you're watching will never happen again. And this is, by, by the way, you know, why we can't, put, we can't put Jesus in a category. Like, great leader, great speaker. Like, he was either a liar or a lunatic or he's Lord. Like, there's no other option. And Jesus said to those around him, this is who I am. And then, and then he predicts his death. He says, you know, I'm going to lay my life down. And nobody can take it from me, but I'm going to lay it down. And then he raises his own life back up, affirming everything that he said. Uh, we're told this uh, going on uh, before even he was born. We're told that all things were created through Jesus. All right, this is uh, Colossians 1.16. It says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so everything that you have experienced in your lifetime have come through the powerful, authoritative, sovereign, creative hands of the living Jesus who reigns supreme. Right, and so if you can just go in your mind to like the most, the last time you were in a space where your jaw just dropped open, I like the, the beauty of the incredibleness of what you're experiencing. Like Charlie and I got to go to the Rockies here a couple months ago and spent a couple days hiking and praying and worshiping with some, some of our tribe. And, and man, I, I remember being in the Rockies and uh, the Rockies are different than the Smokies if you haven't been there. So in the Smokies, you can kind of get lost in the trees, right? Like things are just oftentimes, like if you're low enough, everything's covered. And the Rockies aren't quite like that. The Rockies are just open. It's just a different scale. You experience it on a different level. And I remember being in the Rockies, man, it had to be 15 years ago, almost. And we decided to sleep under the stars. And we were, you know, several thousand feet up. And I remember laying on my back. And like, you couldn't even, I couldn't even like zoom out enough, you know, to capture everything that I'm seeing in this moment. Like I literally had to like turn my eyes to see the stars this direction, turn, turn my head this way to see the stars this direction, like in every direction. And we're talking millions, millions of stars. And there's no, there's no white, you know, uh, light pollution. You know, you just, you're up there and it's just like so incredibly vivid. And I remember like being in that moment, and, and I'm seeing this thing, and it's just like, holy cow, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. And then there's this little flashing, tiny little flashing headlight, this stupid little plane 
know, ruining the view, you know, like crossing the, the sky. And I just remember thinking, like, I just burst out laughing. I'm like, and we think, <laughs> we think we're important. Like, we think we're a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, this tiny little flashing light probably has 200 passengers on it. And it's this incredible sky. You know, and, and the truth is, like, any moment that you've ever had, you know, whether it be on the river or whether it be on top of a, a skyscraper, on top of a mountain, like every single moment that you've ever experienced like that, those experiences in every detail, every atom, everything, as we said, seen or unseen, everything that you can see and not see were created by the sovereign kingly hands of Jesus. Right? And so every, every burst of laughter, right? Every moment of joy, every starfish, right? For those of us who have had the, the, the honor and privilege of being parents, every moment with those kids, every single one of them are the hands, the hands of Jesus created those things, right? And so, so just a very brief implications part of this. Uh, I think they're big and they're, they're worth at least speaking out loud, even as we wrap up. Uh, first of all, uh, the, the God who loves you and knows you and who came to us on Christmas is omniscient, which means he knows your every thought, every thought, uh, your every doubt, your struggle to believe. He knows when you're angry. He knows when you're afraid. He knows when you're full of shame. Uh, he knows when your actions are, maybe they look good on the outside, but they're driven by selfishness. When you find yourself full of regret, uh, when you find yourself coveting something that you don't have that somebody else does, the lifestyle or possessions of others, none of it surprises him. Before you ever breathed your first breath, he knew. He knew what your story would be and your journey would be and your struggles would be. And none of it changes how he feels about you. There's nothing you can do or not do to change the way that your Heavenly Father feels about you. So, implication, you can trust him all of it. You can't hide and you don't have to. He knows, and and he's he's crazy about you. <laughs> Friday night we were at downtown at the watching the parade because our oldest Paige, he's a freshman at Southdale High School, was marching in the parade. And uh, just so you know, dad moment, um, my heart like the Grinch, <laughs> you know, just like growing, it's like this big, uh, watching her march and her bass clarinet covered in lights. And uh, and watching watching <laughs> Chloe, you know, is a little bit younger. She's in middle school, but like watching her be her sister's like biggest cheerleader, and then watching Jackson, who is like is like just channeling his inner Red Bull, like all night, like trying to kung fu like the women who are marching in the marching band. It's like stop kung fuing the women that are marching in the marching band. What are you doing? You know, but I'm like, I'm there, like in that moment, I'm just like, gosh, you know, as a dad, you're just like, 
she can play every wrong note. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like my, the amount of pride you feel as a father and, and Chloe cheering her on and Jackson just living his best life, watching the parade. And, and in that moment, I'm just like, man, you know, like your kids can make decisions that disappoint you where you're like, man, you could have done better, but there's, there's nothing that they could do that would ever make me love them any less. And it actually has nothing to do with how they perform or what they do or what they don't do. Like Jackson and I, I'll put him, uh, when I'm putting him to bed, I'll regularly say to him, I'm like, dude, I'm so proud of you. And he always wants to ask. He's like, what did I do? Right, which tells you a lot about the human heart. He's eight years old. He always wants a reason, right? And I'm like, you didn't do anything, man. Like I'm your dad. Like I'm, I'm crazy about you. I'm proud of, I'm proud of you. You know. And I think there's like, there's a truth in there. Like that's a very earthly father thing. It's imperfect, and I'm, I'm imperfect, and I feel like I, I'm not a good enough father. Like every single day, and yet I can't help that, right? And yet your heavenly father is like that on steroids. Like there's nothing you can do or not do that'll ever make him love you any more than he does this moment or any less than he does in this moment. And if you, first of all, I ask you, do you know that? Secondly, I ask you, do you believe that? And if you did, how would that change the way you treat yourself? the way you live. That was worth the price of admission right there, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> that will change your life. You can sit in that. Omnipresent. All right, our Heavenly Father is omnipresent, uh, which means there's nowhere you can go to escape His presence. There's nowhere to hide. He is with you always, everywhere, as a loving, doting Father. Uh, even in your most menial moments, your best and your worst, inviting you to enjoy his power and his presence and his mercy. Uh, omnipotent. We're getting through the omnis here. Uh, he has the power to do more than you can ever ask or imagine. And we're told that your heavenly father is a heavenly father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. He loves to say yes. And so he invites us to ask. Uh, we're told that all of creation, talking about Jesus again, sits underneath his feet. And that he intercedes on your behalf every second, every moment of every day. And lastly, I'll say this, that he is the reigning king who will return and who will make all things new. Right, in every part of your journey and your story in this life that feels broken, dark, or wrong, Jesus will make right. We're told even death in, in, the, in Paul's letters to the Corinthians said, death is an enemy of God. Death itself will go away. And Jesus will be the one to make it go away. And so I think after all of this, Maybe for the first time, it's appropriate to go back uh, to where we began, to that image. Right? And that's, that's where the wonder comes in and where the jaw, our jaws should drop open maybe a little bit. 
is that king, that mighty God who reigns supreme sovereignly over all creation chose to come to us like this as a vulnerable child who needed his mother's breast milk to stay alive, completely dependent on a teenage mother uh, and a working class father uh, to, to survive. Right? And, and a thread, by the way, that would go throughout his life all the way to the cross. When born to an impoverished teenage mother, born into a cave uh, amongst the sounds and smells of cattle and droppings, who invited shepherds who were dirty outcasts, who often couldn't even participate in temple worship because of the job that they worked, uh, to be the first witnesses of his birth, who went out of his way to lead the Magi, uh, foreigners who observed an altogether different religion, to his bedside. Uh, the one who went out of his way to include in his lineage leading up to his prophesied birth, prostitutes, immigrants, a survivor of sexual abuse, and a teenage mother. Like, if you want to know the kind of God that we serve and we worship, that's him. That's him. Jesus, mighty God. And all the way to the cross, by the way. Right? Just the same thread. Like, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He's just putting on display the heart of God. All the way through. And by the way, mighty God. What does it look like when this mighty God, who has the power to change everything, has the power to speak into creation, every galaxy, every star you've ever seen, the ones we keep discovering year after year. Well, it looks like when God, I think I'm quoting Greg Boyd probably here, but when God flexes his omnipotent muscle, it looks like him laying down his life for a group of ragamuffins who could deserve it any less. That is the mighty God that we serve.